Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Loretta. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's top of the morning, and I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Yes, welcome to the Clever Girls No Podcast. I'm excited to talk to you about money and life-work balance and if it is an actual possible thing. So before we dive into the conversation, please tell us who you are and what you do as an employment wellness strategist. Sure. My name is Loretta Turner, and I have three goals as an employment wellness strategist. And the, the first goal that I have, especially in this climate, is helping people to just survive at work. I know it's been a wild couple of years. People are just barely hanging in there. And so I like to offer tools and resources so people can just get to work, get through the day, and then survive. My second goal is to help people thrive at work. And then lastly, my last goal is to help people find meaning in their work. And I help my clients accomplish this through one-on-one executive coaching that is rooted in mindfulness practices. I also do this through organizational workshops and trainings and company retreats. That's great. And what you do is so incredibly important, especially given, you know, the changes in the workplace and in the way people work over the last couple of years, right? A lot of people have found themselves in a position where, you know, their eyes have opened to a lot of things. They are deciding if they are appreciated at their workplace. They are determining if that is the right position for them, a position that serves them as they serve their position. And so a lot of people are definitely or have been definitely thinking about and making changes to where they work and the way they work, right? And in a way, creating mm-hmm. their own sense of balance. So how would you describe those shifts, those drastic shifts in the workplace over the last couple of years based on what you've seen and from your own experience? Yeah, I think you said something important that people had to rethink the way that they work. And I think in general, the way I would describe the shift is that people open their eyes and they woke up. I'll use myself as an example. There were people like me who were fortunate enough to keep their jobs throughout 2020 and 2021, but just had to move, you know, work to home for remote work. And in doing that, I realized just how much happier I was working from home, how much more peace I felt in my life. And honestly, I was way more productive working from home and not being overwhelmed by office culture. And so I think there were a lot of people like me who who woke up to this idea that going into the office every day was just burning up energy and burning up resources. 
And then, of course, there were other folks who lost their jobs in 2020 and 2021. And a lot of folks lost their jobs in cruel and callous ways. Or there were people that kept their jobs, but just felt completely overwhelmed by their jobs in such a hard time in our history. And I think ultimately, regardless of the situation, people realized that they were putting in you know, their blood, sweat, and tears into a company that could care less about them. And so those folks woke up to the idea that they wanted to be treated more fairly. They wanted to be treated better. They wanted more for themselves and for their families. I think people woke up to the injustices in the workplace. I think people woke up to toxic leadership that they were operating under. I think people woke up to leaders and companies with espoused values. And in general, yeah, people just realized that this wasn't going to work for them anymore. And they found their voice and they started advocating for what they wanted in their professional lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the last two, three years have definitely been really a time where people have gone to sit back and observe about these companies and corporations and different employers as to if they are who they truly say they are on paper, right? Based Mm -hmm. on their responses and their actions and their attitudes to everything that has gone on in the last couple of years, not just the pandemic, but, you know, the injustices, just, you know, like it's a whole, whole lot of stuff to unpack from the last (laughs) last few years. And so people are not in this space where they're thinking, okay, this employer I work for, they're not who they say they are. And I want something better for myself. How do I find that? This leads to my next question, but sometimes people go on that quest to now find an employer. They are who they say they are find a place where they believe deserves their skill set that they can thrive in. But then they get to this point where they may start to approach burnout. They start feeling stressed. They start feeling overwhelmed because they're in this hustle mode to secure this position and put themselves in this space where they feel appreciated, where they feel like they belong there, but at the same time at their own expense. So what are some of those warning signs when someone is approaching burnout, when someone is is feeling stressed? And what are some steps or tips you can give to someone to reel themselves in? Because yes, we want to get to that place where we're in a position that we love. We're showing our employers that we are great. Our employers are appreciating us. But at the same time, you know, back to the topic of this episode is what we want to have that sense of balance. And you used the word peace earlier on, right? <laughs> How, yeah. <laughs> how, what are those warning signs and what are tips you can give someone who is approaching burnout or already feeling burnt out? That is a really great question. And I don't have just one answer because burnout looks different for everyone. And I actually lead a burnout workshop called Breaking the Burnout Cycle. And before we even do the workshop, I ask participants to do an assessment that helps them identify the behaviors and the habits that have manifested for them as a result of burnout. And so again, I'll use myself as an example. I know that my warning sign that I'm burnt out, or actually it's not even a warning sign. (laughs) My alarm system goes off that I'm burnt out when I'm irritable. Like I can't have a conversation with you. I don't want to be social. Every little thing gets under my skin, right? For me, that's a clear sign that I've been burnt out. But for other people, for other clients I've worked with, their sign is that they withdraw. They become hard to communicate with because they don't make themselves available to communicate. Some people get really cynical and they engage in either negative self-talk or they talk really negatively about the organization or their colleagues. 
So again, it can manifest differently for everyone, but at its core, I think the thing that's the same for everyone is that you know that you're burnt out when you're losing interest and motivation in work. You know that you're burnt out when you feel like you just can't accomplish anything. You know that you're burnt out when you just don't feel good about your job or you just don't feel good about what you're doing at work. And that's not the same as, oh, I had a bad day at work. I had a bad week at work. You know, that's common and that's okay. But if you are consistently and persistently feeling any of the things I just shared, like that's a clear sign that burnout is very real for you. And the thing I recommend for folks when starting to combat burnout is honestly a little bit of self-accountability because the burnout we're experiencing might be external, right? We might be feeling it from our boss or we might be feeling it from deadlines or our job descriptions might just be contributing to our burnout. But more than that, the first thing that we have to do to get over burnout is again, to have some self-accountability and look at our own behaviors, look at our own habits, and ask ourselves, are we really doing everything we can to take care of ourselves and to put our wellness and our health first. And an example might be, you know, your job might be burning you out, but are you getting enough sleep? Are you spreading yourself thin socially and going out with your friends every weekend? And when you can look in the mirror and say, all right, like, yeah, my job is burning me out, but I'm not helping the cause because I'm not exercising. I'm not eating well. I'm not sleeping well. That's really the first step to help you know, prioritize your wellness, get your basic needs met and help you get some mental clarity. Because then once you have that wellness foundation built for yourself, then you can start to take the next steps by, you know, maybe going to work and talking to a boss or talking to a colleague or talking to HR about how you're feeling. But truly, I don't think you can take that next step in addressing the external burnout if you're not looking at your own habits first and making sure that you're doing everything that you can to get your needs met. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, for me, when I start to feel burnt out, it is, I get irritable and I get short and it's an immediate cue for me to take a break, you know, because sometimes I'm just in that mode where I just want to get this next thing done, this next thing done before the next day. And then it becomes like these series of weeks where I'm in that like go hard mode and I'm not taking enough breaks and it's detrimental to me because I'm then short, I'm then irritable, I'm tired And so it's definitely important to take those breaks and be able to understand when you're the one inflicting (laughs) the root cause of the burnout on yourself. So like you said, checking on your routines, making sure that you're assessing how you're managing your time, how you're managing your days. And also sometimes the burnout is placed upon you or can be driven by just expectations from your employer, from your boss, from your supervisor, perpetually on you about getting stuff done, even when they know or you know that there's no way possible, but you're just trying as hard as possible to get it done at the expense of your well-being, your your rest, sleep, et cetera. And so definitely having that conversation, candid conversation with them to tell them that you're struggling and going back to who does your employer say they are? Do they understand this? Do they Mm -hmm. not care? Is it (laughs) forget about the people, let's make the money? Like it's important to have those conversations and come up with a plan to help you navigate away from feeling burnt out. So I, I definitely agree with everything that you said. So yeah, awesome, awesome point ahead. that you made. <laughs> so the opposite side of burnout, I guess, would be thriving in the workplace. But I think sometimes people confuse having a good job on paper, right? VP of something, manager of something, right? Making X amount of salary as thriving, right? So 
Can you explain to us what thriving in the workplace really means? And is it just about the paycheck? I mean, the paycheck is important. And how does money tie into that sense of creating that life-work balance? Yeah, I love this question. So a lot of times when I'm working with clients about helping them understand what it might look like to thrive at work and not just survive, I like to use the framework of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's a theory of motivation in a pyramid shape. There's five different sections. And ultimately, if you're thriving at work, then you've made it to the top of the pyramid, which is that place of self-actualization. And so what that would look like, thriving at work, feeling self-actualized in your career or in your workplace, means like you're feeling like your best self, right? It means that Yeah, you might have some stressful days, but overall, your days at work feel purposeful. They feel joyful. Thriving at work means that you show up to work feeling inspired to not only do good work, but also you feel inspired to learn, to do more, to advance your career, to advance the mission of your company. Thriving at work means that you feel brave enough, you feel safe enough to be yourself and to advocate for yourself and to speak up for yourself and for what you need. So, Thriving at work is so much more than a title. I mean, it does have something to do with it, right? If you're thinking of it as Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you do need the foundation of having your basic needs met. You do need your social needs met. You do need a sense of recognition and having goals set. But to get to the top of the pyramid, it's really about feeling like you are your best self. So yeah, that's what I strive to get to with my clients to help them thrive at work and to help them find meaning in work. And then if we're going to connect this back to how to connect thriving at work and and what it means for money. So connecting the dots between how does money play into thriving at work? How does money play into work-life balance? You know, in thinking about this topic, I was thinking a lot about how I got my career started. So I think, you know, I'm not sure what the statistics say around, you know, who's on 1099 versus W-2s. But when I started my career, I actually started as a contractor. I started as a consultant. I got my career started doing nonprofit consulting. And I was also a yoga teacher. And in a lot of ways, I was thriving at work because I did feel really fulfilled. You know, I just felt like my boxes were checked as far as the values that I had in my career. I was doing really meaningful work for my community. I was doing a lot of kinesthetic work. I was working with my body and that's something that brings me joy. So I was starting to get to this place of thriving, but money actually was keeping me from hitting that top pyramid place of self-actualization because the biggest issue with being on a 1099, being a consultant, being a yoga teacher is that I didn't have any pay time off. I didn't have any benefits. I didn't even, even have any sick time. And so the thing that kept me from thriving at work is that I didn't take time off because I would get in my head about money. I would plan every month budget-wise, okay, how much am I going to make? How much am I going to try to put away? And I would make the mistake of trying to budget based off me working at my maximum. Like, okay, if I can teach 30 classes this month, if I can work X amount of hours this month, this will bring me this income and then I can put that money in these places. But I never had a buffer because I didn't budget for sick days. I didn't budget for taking time off. And so I would wake up on days and be feeling, you know, really down or really ill. And I'd have this 
negative money talk in the back of my head that was like, well, you know, you budgeted to work this day, you budgeted to teach this amount of classes, so you can't take the time off. And the same thing would happen with vacation too. You know, my friends would want to travel somewhere and I, I would say yes, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I budgeted to work these days. So, you know, I'm going to bring my computer with me on vacation. So that was where money played a role in me not meeting my work-life balance, not helping me thrive at work because I was just budgeting poorly. I had to learn how to buffer every month a couple days in that I didn't work at all, that I didn't teach any classes. And obviously this example, you know, it applies to people who own their own businesses or they're on 1099s or they're consulting. But I think this is true too for people who do have PTO, who do have other benefits. I think life work balance and money management can get complicated in those situations too, because oftentimes we don't think, a lot of my clients don't think about PTO in terms of money. A lot of my clients will tell me, you know, they don't take time Mm -hmm. off because they feel guilty about it and you know, what I try to encourage them is to rethink about their PTO and understand that PTO is a literally part of their compensation package. PTO is earned. And I ask them, I say, if your PTO was just worth an extra $5,000 a year, would you tell your boss that you didn't want it? (laughs) And they say, oh my God, no, of course not. I would want that money. And then I tell them, okay, so then treat your PTO like that. It is extra money. It is something you earn. It is something you need to cash in on. Use that work-life balance, use that money or use that PTO to support your work-life balance. And that doesn't mean you have to go take an elaborate vacation and, you know, put yourself in financial strain from traveling, but it does mean you can use that time to just rest, to just relax, to refill your cup, to, you know, do a staycation at home and just take care of yourself because even doing something like that, taking an entire week off of work to stay home and rest is going to help you turn back around and go back to work with better mental clarity, with a better sense of peace. And all of that ties into being able to thrive in the workplace. Hey, everyone. Before we continue with this podcast episode, I'd love for you to check out the best-selling Clever Girl Finance book series. There are three books in the series, and the first book is Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, and Build Real Wealth. The second book is Grow Your Money, Learn How Investing Works. And the third book is called The Side Hustle Guide, build a successful side hustle and increase your income. You can also check out my fourth book called Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And this book highlights my personal story to building a business of impact and challenges you as the reader to dig deep into laying out what you truly want to accomplish for yourself. I wrote each of these books to empower women just like you to achieve your goals and get to the point where you're living the life you desire on your own terms. If you love these books, be sure to tell your best girlfriends and they also make the perfect gift. These books are available everywhere books are sold and you can purchase them as ebooks, audiobooks, and also physical books. And you can also ask your local library to order them as well. Thank you so much. And let's get back to the episode. I love that. And there was something that you said about what you had learned when you were working as a 1099 contractor was the way you budgeted your work, your time, essentially budgeting your money around how you had to work. And I think it's important to have an account that you call your balance account, right? Your life work financial balance account. This is money where you put in there as your buffer, your backup in the event that you need to give yourself an option to step away from work or take a break from work, take unpaid time off from work 
to do whatever it is that you need to do that allows you to continue to thrive in the workplace in terms of your performance and your attitude and even your confidence in the workplace, all those things tie into you being able to thrive. So it's important to have that quote unquote, a balance account where you have it there in the event that you need to take a break that is not afforded to you by your job, right? Maybe you don't have the PTO anymore. Maybe you are a 1099 contractor and vacations are dependent on how much money you have saved. It's important to have this account, I think, to establish, to create your own form of balance. Like I always say, like, you know, balance is a lie. There's no such thing as balance because there is no equal equilibrium. Something has to give here or there. And that's okay. We, we work around it. We know how to manage for it or we figure out how to manage for it. But at the same time, you can create your own sense of balance by creating your own options so that when you get to this point where your equilibrium is just way off, right? It's just all the way off. Right. You need to take this break. You need to take this time off. You need to do this thing. You need to find a better job and you can't stand to stay at this job anymore. You have this fallback account that you say, you know what? This account is here. I've been putting money aside. It can hold me over for a month, for two months, for three months while I figure out Mm -hmm. what my next step is going to be or while I take a break from whatever it is and I come back and continue to thrive at work. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the word that you chose to describe balance. It's about creating balance. I think a lot of clients, you know, that are struggling with this, they say, oh, I just can't find the balance. I can't find it. I can't find it. And I think this comes back to what we were talking about earlier, the self-accountability. You have to take the time to look in the mirror and say, okay, I need to make the effort to create this for myself. I need to carve out time and sit down and, you know, make the account and really make the effort around connecting the dots between, okay, well, if I don't budget or buffer for sick time, if I don't have an extra account that has extra money for me to rest, then I'm not going to help the burnout cycle. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So let's kind of change the scenario. For example, let's say that, you know what, I have my balance account. I'm extremely happy with the salary I'm getting paid. And I hear people say this to me really often, but you know, I just go to work because it's just work, right? And what happens is that for the short term, that's great. You can just do the work. But over the long term, what happens is that people start to feel like, my work has no meaning. There's no purpose here. I wish I had, and you can hear my kids talking in the background, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you hear them, those are my kids. But, you know, they start to feel like in reflection as time goes by, like, you know, there's no purpose. There's no meaning at work. Yes, I got paid really well, but was I truly happy? What have I accomplished? Mm-hmm. And so why is it important to find a meaning in the work that you do? and tying that into your work-life balance. I just want to clarify that when I say finding meaning in the work that you do, doesn't mean that all your work has to be passion-driven. It doesn't have to be, oh, this is what I'm passionate about. Because a lot of times you need to work to make money to get a paycheck because sometimes Mm -hmm. your passion doesn't pay. But you can still find meaning or create meaning in any of the work that you do. So I just want you to talk to us about that, right? Your paycheck is great. You're making great money. Good for you. But Are you truly happy in the work that you are doing? And how do you find that meaning? How do you cultivate that meaning? How do you create that meaning for yourself so that when you reflect back, right, in the future, you don't feel like, what was it all for? Because at the end of the day, money is not everything. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's beautifully said that you can have both at the same time. And that's actually, I'll be honest, that's the situation I'm in right now. I work several jobs. Some of them are 
full of passion and excitement and it's propelling me to the next place that I want to be in my career. And a lot of them just get the bills paid, right? So I think the first thing to say is, yes, you can have both at the same time. You can be in a situation where you're working a job and it's just helping you get the bills paid. It's helping you meet some financial goals or it's propelling you forward to meet goals that you want to you know, reach in the future. And you can start to do the work around finding passion and meaning in the work that you do. And how to do that is kind of a loaded question, but at the root of it, you just have to start with asking yourself, well, what does a fulfilled life look like for me? And if you're fortunate enough to say money is an issue, you know, the paycheck is solid, like I'm getting the bag, you know, like if that's the situation that you're in, like you were very fortunate. And then the next question after that is if money isn't the issue, right, if I'm making more than enough, then what's holding me back from living that life? And, you know, that's not a question that you take lightly. That's something that I would recommend you sit with, you journal with, you think about over and over and over because you just got to get honest with yourself about the kind of life that you want and then do the work around identifying the barriers to that life and start working with that one at a time. I think something that always works well for my clients is simplifying this process and almost thinking a little bit to, you know, your childhood and what are the things that lit you up as a kid? What are the things that light you up as an adult? You know, when you're watching TV or when you're out in the world, like what is the thing that brings you joy? What is the thing that gives you butterflies and naturally just makes you smile? And then use that data to think about, well, how do I turn this into a passion project? How do I turn this into a career? And I think the huge benefit in finding meaning in the work you do and how that contributes to work-life balance, I think for me, when I find meaning in the work I do, then that barrier, that in-between of work-life balance, like it kind of disappears. Like it no longer becomes a versus. It no, no longer becomes an either or. I can remove the wall that exists between work and life and I can just live fully. When I am in a career that gives me everything I need, right? I feel fulfilled on my Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I feel honored for who I truly am. When I'm in a career that presents me with endless opportunities, then I feel like I'm living in abundance and I feel like I have so much energy to live my life fully and then to give back to others fully. And when I'm in that place of like flow, like it's kind of hard to describe, but things just feel powerful and cyclical. And again, the lines between work and life all just kind of blend together. And instead of having to choose, what am I going to work or what am I going to live? It all just feels really connected in my day to day. You know, it's kind of like that cliche saying that like, you know, if you love the work that you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So that's where finding meaning in your work comes to play because it all just feels like it's blended together in a very authentic and fulfilled way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I know that that finding meaning just from my personal experience can be easier said than done. I mean, for me right now in my current position, it's easy for me to do because I, especially when on days where I hate my job and full transparency, there are days where I do hate my job. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. as CEO here, because I hear that. I hear is, that. <laughs> is business. But on those days, it's easy to find the meaning. For every day, actually, it's easy to find the meaning because I can see the direct correlation of what we do to the human beings whose lives we're helping to change through what we do here at Clairol Finance. But in my prior career, it was it was really hard for me to find the meaning in my job because I worked with data. I worked in coding. I worked in 
tech, right? And how do you equate to meaningfulness <laughs> when you're sitting there testing and working on data structures and working on algorithms and, and things like that? It's hard. Does your computer really care that much about you? No. And so right. <laughs> I, I really had to think through, you know, as opposed to just going to work to do a job because I'm getting paid well, great, whatever. Because like I said, the reason why I asked this question was because I started questioning myself too. Like, what is the purpose? Why am I doing this? This is not worth it. I'm getting a great paycheck, but I'm not happy. What have I truly accomplished here? And I had to shift away from that mindset and really think about what is the value that the work I do here? What is that value that it brings my employer? How does that tie into the bottom line of what I do for this employer to make this a successful company that's on the Fortune 500, et cetera, et cetera. And so I started keeping lists of all my accomplishments that tied into the success of my company. And that brought meaning to me because I was one of how many mm. thousands Oh, but that's this great. project I worked on had this direct impact on our bottom line at my company that allowed everybody to get paid these bonuses. It allowed us to launch this new feature for our systems. It allowed that you know feature to be mentioned in Forbes and in Business Insider. I worked on that, right? And that drove meaning for me. So if you are struggling, right, to figure out the meaning of your job, just come back and think about what value does what you do bring to your employer and how does it tie into the bottom line? And I guarantee you, even if you don't realize it, there is an answer to that question because the reason why you're hired in that role, the reason why they need a body in that role that they're paying a salary is because it contributes to the bottom line. It doesn't matter what your role is, whether you're an admin assistant, whether you are a caterer in the office, whether you're a cleaning person in the office, whether you're an executive in the office, your role ties into the bottom line of that company. You just have to draw the line yourself so that you can recognize your contribution. And then when you recognize your contribution, <laughs> then you can say, you know what? This is what I bring to the table, guys. I want to raise. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Perfect. And I, you know, I have a background in nonprofits and, you know, you keep saying bottom line and the framework that we use in nonprofits that I actually use for myself and for my clients is think of it as a double bottom line. Yes. The bottom line is financially, you know, you've got to meet this financial goal, this revenue, these expenses, yada, yada, yada. But then there's another bottom line of, you know, the value. Always know that there's another line of value that you are contributing to, that you are supporting. And so I like thinking it as a dual opportunity to not just meet the financial bottom line, but as far the other bottom line, as far as how does this company, this organization create better impact for the entire community, the entire society, whatever it might be. Yes, yes. Well, Loretta, thank you so much. This has been so great. I appreciate you taking the time. I always ask everyone who comes on before they leave what their Clever Girl superpower is. So please tell us what is your Clever Girl superpower? My Clever Girl superpower. I love this question. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. And, <laughs> you know, just speaking a little bit to what you said earlier about remembering the importance that your work does for the community, you know, this podcast has been so, so helpful for me over the years. Um, and so, yeah. So thinking about the superpower as it relates to, you know, my financial goals and my financial journey that I've been on, I think the most important superpower and the most important thing I do for myself is that I celebrate small wins, especially as it relates to my finances. Again, I've got a lot of goals set up for myself and when I'm on my grind, it's hard sometimes to take a moment and take a step back and say, wow, I am the person I wanted to be a year ago, or mm -hmm. I hit that financial goal that I dreamed about five years ago. 
So taking those little moments to acknowledge those small wins, even if it's like, yay, I put $20 in my savings account, you know, just like taking mm-hmm. that time to, you know, celebrate, to jump in the air, to cheer with myself, whatever it might be. That's been a really helpful superpower. I love that. I love that. I'm definitely taking the moment <laughs> to reflect on those wins, no matter how small. Huge fans of that. We do that here all the time at Clever World Finance. So you guys should all be doing that as well. That's a great gem. And finally, Loretta, please tell everyone where they can find you, learn more about your coaching and your courses and how you support people through becoming well at work, thriving at work, being your best self at work, getting what you deserve to get paid at work. How can we find you, learn more about your services and reach out to you? Yeah. If you want to learn directly about the work I do, please visit my website. It's my first and last name, Loretta Turner. You can email me directly from there. If you've got questions, I do recommend signing up for my newsletter. I put something out every month with good resources. And if you want to see what I'm passionate about as far as workplace wellness, the things that I talk about and advocate for, follow me on Instagram. That's going to be loretta.leads, L-E-A-D-S. I post pretty frequently. I love having conversations around all things workplace wellness and thriving at work. So give me a follow. Let's stay in touch. Awesome. And that information, your website, your social media will be in the show notes. So you guys can just click there and click to her site (laughs) and to her social media. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on to share your insights with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, You can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.